Peter asks, why does leftover pizza taste so good? Probably because you're hungover. Oh! <laughs> What's up, hustlers? Welcome to the Matt Brown Show. Pizza. They say you can't buy happiness, but you can buy pizza. And in my world, that's kind of the same thing. You know, when John Nicola Kakis took over the reins of Roman's pizza from his father, he had only one goal, to create the biggest pizza brand in the country. Billions a year in system-wide sales into this journey, and the company's aggressive expansion plans have never wavered. In fact, if there was a poster child for the mantra of go big or go home, John Nicola Kakis would be it. John Nicola Kakis came onto the Matt Brown Show to share his story about building Roman's Pizza into a network of over 250 stores in three countries. So today I'm incredibly excited to finally, finally, after many attempts, many requests, many referrals, <laughs> I've got the man himself, the CEO of Roman's Pizza in the house. Welcome, John Nikolakakis. Woo! Hi, man. Hello, brother. There's your mic. Have a seat. What's happening? The hot seat. <laughs> Feels a bit warm. <laughs> you were just there. <laughs> cool. So um, Roman's Pizza, I know many of us love pizza. Um, and so to that end, before we jump into the meat and the potatoes, was that the, the cheese and the... <laughs> the the cheese and the meat. The cheese and the meat this time. Um, I'm going to send Mav outside right now to order pizzas, actually, from your store which is down the road here. Uh, bye-bye, Mav. Uh, we're going to order six pizzas. I believe you're running an awesome special, two for like 100 and something, was it? Any two large pizzas, only one twenty nine ninety. All day, every day. You can't Crazy, argue eh? with that value. Crazy. You know what I mean? Uh, all pizzas not the same, by the way. So we're going to put that to the test. Um, so having said that, while we wait for our pizzas... We're also going to play a very fun game with you later to see how well you actually know your, your stuff <laughs> or your own product. Um, but let's go back to you. So obviously, you know, it's, I think it's well documented if anyone's done any research. But, um, you know, your dad was the founder of Roman's Pizza and you've kind of taken the, the company over and kind of grown it immeasurably. You just told me how much you guys make. It's fucking insane. Um, but uh, aside from that… <laughs> If when you cast your mind back, like were you like why was pizza your thing? Was it because dad was you know had this rad brand Roman's Pizza? Like were you on the fence about it? Did you ever doubt like uh, you know taking it on at all? Like that initial step. Walk us through that. So I've always been fairly entrepreneurial from a young age. Um, my father's always been in restaurants and or food, so I grew up in the restaurant business from helping out in the restaurants, washing dishes, to working as a waiter, to working as a manager in high school when my first father first started with the Roman's Pizza brand. Um, but I decided there's no way I want to do this. I want to go into finance. So I went, I studied, got a piece of paper, and uh, joined a German bank in Rosebank as a currency trader, Forex trader. German bank? Uh, Commerzbank, yeah. Okay. Based, based in Johannesburg and Rosebank as a currency trader where I traded Forex, which was very exciting. It really was. Back what year was um, this? This was 2001. Okay. And everything was going great. I had my life planned out. I'm going to join this international bank for a year and get transferred to Europe with New York, party with the traders, make $10 million bonuses, and then 9-11 happened. Ugh. So all the banks started retrenching, yada, yada, yada. 
Um, my father at the same time, we were previously named Little Caesars. And oh, was that you? That was us. No way, dude. I remember that. That's a blast in the past. Yeah, Caesar's Palace had opened the casino and they decided to sue us for infringement of IP. Um, combined with Little Caesars America at that time. And my father said, We got to rebrand. We spoke to the best guys in the industry and they said, Five euros, you could win. If you lose, the Americans' legal fees will bankrupt you. So at the same time, he said he was thinking of selling the business after the rebranding and what was I thinking of doing with my life, at which point I said, I'll come join you. I'm out of banking. I understand this business. I've grown up in it, and let's see where we can go. Dude, what was it like working with your dad? Because if I, my dad also be an entrepreneur. Um, obviously, you know, it keeps coming up on the show, like how instrumental parents actually are. You know what I mean? Like in your life, in my life, in Maths and Nyanis' life, Chris Chafter, Danny Kay, just very instrumental. I would hate to work with my old man. I genuinely would. Like, were you apprehensive about that? Because, like, being dad and son is one thing, but then, like, the, the dynamic between father and son, especially when it comes to business, is a whole different thing. <laughs> there, there was zero apprehension really? going in, but um, after going in, yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting ride. I mean, my father is a true alpha male, so am I. Um, they say we're fairly stubborn. <laughs> and we want what we want. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's had major, major challenges. But as much as it's had its challenges, uh, the beauty of it was uh, my father gave me rope to literally either pull myself up or hang myself from when I came into the business. And basically, a white piece of paper and said, run. And um, he was very, very flexible. All the lessons I've learned, I've learned from him. I mean, ultimately, he was my true mentor, whether it was at high school, uh, over holidays, school holidays, uh, going to the countryside with him to scout a site or whatever it might have been, spending time with him, um, him sharing all his lessons. He's always been an entrepreneur. He's started multiple business, been in business for himself for years. Um, that's where my base and my foundation came from. So have we had boxing matches? Like you cannot believe. Have we had fallouts? Like you cannot believe. But it's always been purely for the best interests of the business. There have been no hidden agendas. If you have a, a partner or colleague, you don't really know what their agenda is. In this case, we're both boxing for what we believe to be in Roman's Pizza's best interests, which I think makes it easier to swallow. Yeah. Have you read a book called Principles by Ray Dalio? No, I haven't. Dude, please read that book if you, if you as a suggestion. Um, because he actually, Ray Dalio is the founder of, what's that bloody fun now? I've actually gone blank. Bridgewater. Okay. massive massive fund like he manages like the richest of the richest cash right so and he's built uh, Bridgewater's culture based on the principles whole books called principles is about work and personal and stuff like that and one of his principles is like radical and open uh, transparency and authenticity when you're talking to every anyone in the business it's like if you disagree and you want to say fuck you then you say fuck you I disagree you know what I mean and you don't take that personally you take that as someone disagreeing because by the way it's about uh, a, a, an idea meritocracy a democracy around ideas in other words that's kind of what you're saying right which is you had these kind of like you know heated debates and disagreements and so forth in the best interests of the business so what do you attend or what do you attribute successful communication to you know what I'm, in other words what advice do you have for an entrepreneur potentially listening to us right now who is battling with communication because i look at my team and we all communicate very differently you know um what is your how do you how do you make sure that you communicate like a boss 
I think that's the biggest challenge, and especially being a fairly entrepreneurial company that was fairly high growth in the early days, it was still based on a traditional business model, linear growth, slightly exponential, but it didn't embrace the the new age, so to speak, of a bottom-up approach. We were always top-down. Uh, everything revolved around the CEO and the senior team. So we've gone through attempting to go through a cultural transformation of exactly that, trust and transparency. But it's very difficult when you have an ingrained culture to change that culture. So that is a challenge. Um, I, I've always had an open-door policy. I mean, uh, regardless of where you are in the company, you can walk into my office and tell me, John, go get fucked. You're a doer. Um, the problem is you have to substantiate it. Yeah. If you don't, we're going to have an issue. Yeah. But I believe in that. I believe we are all equals, regardless of our title. The only difference is I've got more pressure than you do, and I've got to look after you indirectly and look after your family and make the, the bigger decisions and make correct decisions on the bigger decisions because you all are reliant on me. Outside of that, each and every person plays a critical, important role in an organization. We suck at communication at Romans. Um, our next challenge is to go down to store level and to chat to the guys in the kitchens, how to improve our processes, how do we improve our systems. I'd love to tell you I make pizza every day in a shop. I'd be lying through my teeth. Um, I haven't made a pizza in a while. So I'm completely disconnected from that process. But you've had pizza recently, right? Plenty. <laughs> Plenty. And only Romans Because if pizza. you haven't, you're about to. <laughs> Uh, Maybe I should take that back Um, (laughs) This edition of the Map Round Show Is brought to you by Networkspace.co.za In fact our studios Are here in building number 4 At Networkspace Up in Johannesburg These guys have made us a huge deal Have really bent over backwards To give us the kind of service That most exciting businesses Deserve if you want more information about Network Space, you can actually come and check out our studio. We are always open to meet new entrepreneurs and business owners from around the country. And you can do that right here at NetworkSpace.coza. But it's interesting what you're saying, right? Because there's, there's the communication that you have at your boardroom level, right? And then you've got the grassroots level. I mean, obviously, we can't, I mean, you've got 200 and how many stores now? 235. 235 stores, right? We have one. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a fundamentally different way that you approach communication. Here, I just shout and bark orders and stuff and usually swear a lot. Um, but with you, you have to be more measured. You're looking with, at, you know, obviously, cultural differences make a difference here. But at scale, everything becomes far more complicated, right? And it's interesting because... Sometimes to scale things, you have to do the things that don't scale, right? And effective communication is the bridge between those two things. So, um, like, how have you approached scale? Like, uh, you know, going back to, I don't know how many stores you had when you had to rebrand initially, but let's Uh, just say 28 28 stores. I mean, (laughs) okay. Add another 200 stores on that, you know, that's a bloody huge effort. Like, how have you approached scale as it relates to kind of like communications? How have you ensured? I know you guys, you said you suck at it, but you can't really suck at something that much. You've got 235 stores, you know what I mean? So we're, we're, the smaller you are, the easier it is. And when you're a small team and you're a team of three people, I mean, you're going to have amazing communication because it's the three of you. And obviously, as you grow, more people come into the picture, and that's where it gets tricky. You get broken records. This one said that. The blaming game starts. 
Um, to be blatantly honest, for us, it's been a raw hands-on approach permanently. So I touch, we don't do structured meetings. I'm embarrassed to tell you that I've never had a management meeting. Um, Seriously? Yep, um, which is, has to change. You get to a certain level and you realize, Only well, now I am the cog <laughs> in the wheel here. And maybe I should get myself out of the company. But the truth is, um, it's regular touching of each and every department. So the guys are permanently contact with me. I'm in permanent contact with them. They're in permanent contact with each other, which works very well on a one-on-one basis. The problem is to communicate to everybody together as one. And that is where the management meetings have started and they've had to start to put all of us on the same page because I'm communicating with you and then I'm communicating with development and I'm communicating with ops. But when do ops and development communicate and do they carry the same message through? That is where the challenge has been. So as much as I hate it, I hate structure. Um, We've obviously reached a size where we've had to put in – structure and become slightly more corporate so what we're saying is over the years i kept on saying when we're smaller we want to be corporate we want a corporate culture and then one day i woke up and i realized i'm a cafe owner we want to be cafe that's our culture so do we really want to change our culture we can improve on it what we need is corporate processes and systems but not a corporate culture per se depending how you define that well, yeah, you don't want a corporate culture. Sorry, no. that no. people don't dig that shit. No, we realize no way. I mean, the flexibility that we have. The reason we grew as fast as we did was due to our flexibility, due to being able to innovate, move a lot faster than the bigger companies. I mean, the bigger you get, the more difficult it is to navigate. Um, and that's what we want to try keep, that core, the flexibility, the, the movement. But again, You've got to put systems in place to measure. If you're going to take multiple risks across your organization, you've got to be able to measure those risks. If you don't, um, it could end up being catastrophic. Absolutely. But yet you're still successful, right? So systems, no systems, culture, corporate culture, agile, whatever you want to call it. You're still a successful business, right, by all accounts. So what do you attribute that success to? Do you think it's – because, I mean, like with respect, you and as you know, like this is – you're a – you're a price low brand, right? I don't know if I've said that correctly. But the value leader. The value leader, that's better. Price leader. Very well, yeah, exactly, right. So you get more pizza, more bang for your buck with Roman's Pizza, right? And I guess in South Africa's economy, you know, especially mass markets, uh, people aren't exactly affluent as much as we like to bullshit ourselves in boardrooms that, you know, <laughs> uh, that, you know, there's a fortune at the top of the pyramid. It's actually at the bottom. So... Is that the story, though? Like, what do you attribute Roman's Pizza scale story and success to? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can't literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. 
there's a combination of factors. Uh, I, I got to put it out there. Probably the biggest one is luck. I've got to say it. Um, timing. Um, we had a 17-year retail boom in this country that has unfortunately come to a grinding halt overnight. And um, if you – there were a lot of guys who did startups at the time, and yes, they didn't succeed where we did. Fair enough. But we had the wind at our backs. And the wind at our backs allowed a lot of risks that I took that weren't as calculated as they probably would have been in hindsight had I known what I know today. Some of them could have bankrupted us, like signing with a 28-store base – signing 15, 20 new leases a year with no franchisees, hoping you're going to find them. And thankfully we did. Had we not, we would have had a bit of a problem. <laughs> yeah, so um, the, the, the economy played a part there. Not knowing what I don't know played a big part because I couldn't see the risks at hand. Where had I been able to see them, and as I've gotten older, I've obviously become slightly more conservative. And probably from a broad business strategy 101, discipline. We've always known who we are. We've never tried to be everything for everyone. So we're a non-delivery brand. How can you be a non-delivery brand? We didn't accept credit cards till six, seven years ago. How can you not accept credit cards? But credit card commissions at three, four percent that you're paying off to the bank. Why must we pay them? When you're when you're the discounter, yeah. you can't afford to accept that. So we've yeah. been extremely disciplined in what segment of the market we're competing and who we are. And I think that helped a lot. We didn't go add chicken burgers to our menu. We didn't go add steaks to our menu like some other guys did. We stayed disciplined in our focus and, and what is true to us and our values. Yeah, you didn't get distracted by the shiny stuff, right? And that's the temptation, isn't it? 100%. You know, we were talking about Singularity University before we went on air um, about you know disruption and all these words are fucking loaded in my view, but um, yet very real, you know? Um, and yet what I think is really like, amazing from your business perspective is that you've kept things very simple. Do you know what I mean? We don't do deliver. I mean – Delivery. Oh my God. Like, I didn't even know that until now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't even know that, but it was all because you are the value brand. Correct. And so you never, ever, like, not even one degree left or one degree right. It was you, that brand. There's, there's, Delivery is an example now specifically. There's multiple reasons. Um, we have had very strong franchisees who've tried delivery, and within a month they're like, no go. Uh, labor, unfortunately, isn't always stable. So I've found other delivery operators in the past. I've found them at 8.30 at night. They'll be like, no, our driver's out. Sorry, we can't deliver. Um, what we've realized, as funny as this is, the more you're going to interact with a customer, the better the chances are you're going to stuff something up. That's just the nature of things. People make mistakes. We're human beings. So we said, let's interact as little as possible. So we interact with you twice. You order, you collect. If there's a problem, at least it's in store and we can fix it there and then. If you now order delivery and two hours later on a busy Friday night you famished, and it's happened to me before, the product comes cold. The product doesn't come at all or the product comes wrong. Or the topping slid off the bloody pizza base because the driver's been in a rush. Or the know. driver has eaten half your pizza like has oh, happened that a in thing? the past. That has happened. You can Google it. <laughs> I won't mention any names. Um, so Google it. <laughs> Let's mention names. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's various um, reasons why we don't do it. But ultimately, the main one is we're saying we are the value leader. Nobody can beat us on price. Purely for the fact that we're an efficient system. Plus, we are very, a very high-volume business. we got stores that would need 40, 50 bikes on a Friday night to get 
What? Deliveries out. They would need that type. We've got, we got one or two branches that can do up to 1,500 pizzas on a big day. So how do you deliver that? It just ma- it adds more bottlenecks to your system. Mm. You can't be the price leader and be everything to everyone. What do you say to Uber Eats? Okay, so regarding Uber Eats, we are testing Uber Eats at the moment. Oh, there you go. Um, on a very small scale. And again, the market changed. I got put off a Chicken Brands product ordering Mr. Delivery about 15 years ago. And being in the business, I knew it wasn't the Chicken Brands' fault. It was Mr. Delivery and their systems at that point, who, by the way, have jacked up their systems mm-hmm. today. I mean, there's been huge technological innovation from any third-service courier company. Mm-hmm. And that is the big difference. We're not at a stage and a level where they give you phenomenal reporting, they add value, their service delivery is far better to the consumer than it used to be. It used to be a two-hour waiting time using any one of these companies. Now you can track it online. You can see how far you are. So we're saying we're at a level now where we're willing to outsource potentially part of our chain to the consumer to a third party where we mm. never have been before. Yeah. Because automatically you give it to any third party company, Mr. D or Uber Eats, and they have a problem. The customer remembers your brand. Mm. But we believe that they are at a level now technology wise mm. where um, we can manage that process together. Yeah. I think that's an amazing idea. I think it's. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I, dude, I cannot tell you the pain. I like just because, you know, I set this whole thing up by saying I love pizza. I hate talking to people to order a pizza. I don't want to speak to anyone. I really don't want to speak to anyone. So you must use our on- online app. No, dude. Like it's, it's way worse than that, bro. It's like, I'm just like, and then it's like, can I, and it's the same fucking experience over and over. It's like, please, can I have your number? Zero, seven. What did you say? Eight? No, I said nine. And then the line's bad. And there's, okay, Mr. Brown. Yes, that's right. It's okay. What did you order? What did you, what? no, I want to order what I ordered the last time because I don't want to speak to you. I have my favorite pizza and that's all I want. Okay. Um, do you have, I said, so do you, what did I order the last time? I don't know. Well, but fucking hell, you've, ha- you've, you've ordered the same pizza 12 times. Why don't you know? Like, and Dicio is probably, you know, outside of your brand. Why, why are you swearing at me? Not you, man. <laughs> well, who are they? Yeah, I'm understand. just saying, I'm just saying. And Dicio is probably the only, one of the only ones I can remember that remember my favorite fucking pizza, right? And then Uber Eats came along and they went, you don't need to speak to anyone. And I was like, Amen. And I can track it. The whole experience is done for me. It is, to your point, a wonder of technology. I'll go one step better. Try the Roman's Pizza online ordering model where if you've signed up and ordered before, you can just reorder the exact same order, same branch. Bam, bam. One button. Didn't even know that. Clap that up. You can ring your own bell. (laughs) Cool. Let's play quote of the day. So, dude... Thank you so much for doing this one for us and this pretty picture. What is that? Who drew that? <laughs> so, here we go. So, this is a picture of a bus for those of you who are only listening to us. Um, this is the most picturesque quote of the day I've <laughs> we've ever had on this show. Are you sure you're not an artist in your spare time? That's amazing. I mean, it's, it's quite a futuristic bus. It looks like it's got the eye of a fly. <laughs> Not one of my talents. <laughs> but why don't you walk us through this one? So one of the best quotes I ever came across, um, I was hired to do a presentation for corporate years ago. And the quote was, opportunities are like buses. There's always another one coming. 
Now, I understand these days um, it might not be as relevant to use bus stops, but the principle's still there. I'm an optimist at heart. Um, I believe in there always is another opportunity around the door. You just got to allow yourself to see it. And this one encapsulates that in every form. There's always another one coming. If you miss this one, there's another one around 15 minutes from now. Don't lose your sleep about it. You can find opportunity in everything if you're open-minded enough. That ultimately is what the quote relates to. I love that. I, I describe um, a business as being like a train. Some people will get on and some people will get off, as will clients. Do you know 100%. what I mean? <laughs> 100%. But it's, that's the thing, though. I mean, I, it's interesting, right? Because you, you've seen to get – I don't know where it comes from, but it's this thing called poverty mindset, you know? And it's like if this thing happens, like if we lose like a big client, like let's just say we lost our clients in New York – or we lost uh, one of our bank clients here. Like, it's not the end of the world. It's not. Do you know what I mean? Yes, it's a blip on the road, basically. Do you know what I mean? But the train, the bus, in your analogy, has to keep going. Well, you've you got two choices. You can either dwell as a team and sit and cry about it and not forget. And this is the problem. People, generally, I find a lot of times, will spend too much time focusing on what went wrong. Yes, you need to regroup and figure out what can you do different in the future. But what happened yesterday is done. It's finished. There's nothing you can do about it. We can't change the past. So learn from it and move forward and find other opportunities to do those learnings. Dude, what opportunities do, do, do you like? Uh, do you think, oh, shit, I wish I'd done that? Like looking back at the last – how many years has it been now, by the way? Um, with Romans 2002. So what is that? 16. 16 years. Okay. 16 years. So looking back over those 16 years, what opportunities do you rue missing? Oh, I can tell you what I regret doing more than what I've missed, but um, okay. I made plenty of mistakes. But what uh, I've done from, but it's easy to say. The, the easy thing is see ideas. The problem is execution like anything else. So I opened um, a gourmet burger business, Burger Bar, uh, before Rocker Mamas and the other guys uh, were out here. Uh, great concept, terrible, absolute shit execution. Um, that didn't work well. Um, I got into the shoe business um, for combination reasons. Um, my sister and the mother of my child being one of them, I thought what could work better for them than shoes and handbags. I mean, the woman thought it was an easy business only till I realized that husbands throw things at you when they discover what their wives paid. And, um, <laughs> I mean, I've seen some things you cannot believe. One thing I did make the biggest mistake I made in hindsight with the shoe business is I should have either opened a strip joint next door or golf shop because men, screw up sales they just don't get it they don't get it i mean Hang on. can we wipe this board clean because i need a picture for that one <laughs> so uh opportunities so from um uh i've got one or two little property syndicates going tiny things uh telling partners uh let's get into the township residential market to let's invest in cbd jobic cbd to um there's no donut brand in south africa let's get a donut brand um i chatted to Krispy cream years ago i said nah the u.s brand they're going to come with these huge setup costs well in hindsight have you seen how busy they are these uh -huh. days yeah so I, I can go on for days but in saying that there's there's many that i have tried that haven't worked there are some thank god that have worked and um there are ones that i haven't tried at all but there'll be many more there's always another one presenting itself tomorrow. And without sounding corny, the, the market has 
leveled in many ways today. To compete with a multinational uh, 15, 20 years ago, you needed $50, $100 million. Where are you going to get marketing spend? How are you going to access your consumer base? And these days, if you've got half a brain, you can code a little bit, or you've got a friend who can code, do a startup online, maybe not as much in South Africa at the moment, but that will change in the next five to 10 years when a greater portion of the population goes online. You can compete against anybody. You can compete against any multinational out there. You can potentially market better than they can without a marketing budget. If you become more relevant to your consumer base, if you're a millennial and understands millennials far better than I do, you got an upper hand, regardless of the amount of money I've got backing me. Yeah. You were at Singularity this week, weren't you? Correct. I went <laughs> yeah. to the summit. Yeah. So disruption, let's go there. Okay. Because I mean, I, I, I really do believe that like every every industry is going to at some point fundamentally change. It's, it's just inevitable. It's, the, it's like, it's because you have a, like a set of organizing principles that dictates a certain eventuality. It's just a case of when, right? How are you guys like innovating? I mean, you've been this value brand for so long. To your point, you mentioned like the online ordering thing, e-commerce. Yes, okay, it's part of that story. But I mean, where is the disruption going to come from when it comes to something as simple like a pizza? So there's multiple areas you can disrupt on, whether it's service delivery, whether it's price, whether it's overall offering to your consumer. I mean, there's there's many ways you can disrupt. Now, the retail sector in the US, let's use them as the template. Um, <clears throat> your traditional brick and mortar stores have been completely disrupted by online because that never existed. But the fast food sector has always done home delivery. They've always delivered to your door. So um, where would disruption come from in our segment? Um, there was a gentleman, very interesting, who discussed um, the growing of meat in a lab that they're busy with overseas. How would that affect the food industry? Uh, will they one day be able to print 3D food? How, mean, w- how would it affect your industry? I mean, like how far, how far off are we talking well, for that kind of stuff? It could be 10, 15 years. It depends on... Um, how exponential that graph is and at what level that graph is moving because you'll see a lot of times a graph will move a major innovation will come and out of the blue the change will be radical so depending where it is it could be 10 15 years besides the ethical elements which we won't discuss um, the bigger issue is one availability of food for the future because there is going to be a shortage Um, and secondly is how would it affect the value chain in terms of farming farmers etc I don't have an answer for you there. What I can tell you is um, in South Africa, in terms of disruption for us, we're saying, how do we make your experience better as a consumer? So internally, you have to phone in. How do we change that? Okay, we're doing online. Uh, We're looking at self-ordering terminals. We're looking at um, centralized call centers. So you don't have that problem when you phone in. Um, Are they revolutionary? Maybe not, but they're all slight incremental changes. Um, that could potentially allow us to keep abreast of the times. The, we are 10 years behind uh, the Western world in many ways when it comes to disruption. And the beauty of it is we managed to create an online portal for far less than what we would have been able to years ago because of the change in technology. So you can do trackers. You can do all these things that it might have costed one or two of these huge multinationals multi-million dollars to do back in the days. Any smaller company can do them now, and automatically you've leveled the playing field. 
It's bloody hard though. If I was if I wanted to start Matt Brown Pizza, <laughs> brand diversification. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, how the fuck am I going to steal market share from you? Do you know what I mean? It's far it, like legitimately costs. Obviously, a thing for any business. But like you guys have scale, right? You have brand. Like it's not tech. I can't build an Airbnb for pizza. Do you know what I'm saying? Like some business models don't lend themselves that well to certain industries, right? But maybe but, they do because okay. maybe you don't know what you don't know. And this is the challenge. Uh, I mean, if, if anybody had come to you and said to you, listen, um, I've got a great idea. I'm going to start an app. And I'm going to get drivers, and I'm going to get drivers who I'm going to pay that don't work for us. They're outsiders. And um, you're going to be able to call it on your phone, and he's going to be there within two minutes. Three years before Uber started, you probably would have said, hmm? Dude, I, I had an idea for a pizza startup, okay? I shit you not. And it was, it was based on the Uber concept before Uber, right? But the idea would be that it's like if you want pizza, they'll cook it on the bike, itself so it's actually a bike unit with the see everyone's got i got everyone's attention but um but it's basically a bike with a pizza oven on the back of it so it would come to office parks for instance and literally just like you don't need to and you order it on the app and then they come in and they have they have almost no cost of infrastructure everything's cooked in the thing i mean i don't know if this is possible but i mean like that could be a way to do it it's like that really direct you like that idea so no this edition of the map run show is probably brought to you by Empty trips. These people, these ladies, these street hustlers just can't stop winning awards. It's unbelievable. They picked up an award just last week at Singularity University. Most exciting startup. Empty trips have developed a directional space matching AI to better pay volumes to underutilized vehicles already on voyages. In short, they make logistics awesome. Check out emptytrips.com for more info. Sorry, uh, with your whole concept for the pizza with the oven thing. So at campus in our final year, they actually developed that. They did a whole study. Um, did they really? Yes, it's here on Bryanston actually. It's called Pizza App. And they have what? they literally make the pizza on the back of the motorbike. Yeah, I think it was someone from Vega I'm or someone else them. that started it. They've stole my it's idea. It's amazing, <laughs> the stuff that they do. You should check it out. Sorry, that's Matt. Cra- that's crazy, man. Sorry to break and your so, bubble. But is that, has it been successful? Yeah, it's here on Bryanston. Uh, William Nickel. They really? down here, yeah. It's no called way. pizza. Yeah, it's just microwave pizza. <laughs> <laughs> microwave pizza, frozen microwave pizza. Mm. Our dough's fresh all day long. We mix fresh dough all day long. <laughs> Fact. Okay, thanks and all for that. Um, let's play a game of true or false. Are we ready to play true or false? Are we playing true or false? As long as it's not truth or dare. <laughs> hey, are we going to do pizza now? Is pizza on its way? Well, let's play true or false quickly. And then we can dive straight into a game of blindfolded pizza tasting. <laughs> cool. Um, guys, are you ready? Okay, well, they're getting their shit organized. Okay, here's Q. Okay, Q, over to you. Yeah. True or false, you are a pizza expert. Uh, true. <laughs> okay. True or false, you never get tired of eating your own pizza. Definitely true. Really? No, I never pizza get tired. Pizza fatigue, dude. No. It's like heretics. It's no. a thing. Don't you? I, I mean, if I ate it every day, I'd get tired of it, but I don't oh, eat it every okay. day. I eat it probably once a week. Yeah. So, okay. cool. Yeah. True or false? <laughs> Pineapples belong on pizza. For me, false, but for our market and our sales, it makes true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
the last one. True or false? Wine goes very well with pizza. Uh, I'm not a wine drinker, I, so I can't answer that. False for me. It used to be when I used to drink like wine and pe- red wine, not white wine though. That would that would be a great match. For me, it's pizza <laughs> and coke. Pizza and coke. In the US, it's pizza and beer. Uh huh. So, but for me, it's pizza and coke. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, so we good? Yeah. Okay, right. So, dude, um, I want to talk to you about um your future. Right, so you've been at the helm now for almost two decades. Uh, we're living in the face of disruption, as we touched on earlier. Like, what does the future Roman's pizza look like? Uh, do you, have you had discussions internally or potentially with strategic agencies, or whatever the case no. might be, anything like that? Like, is there anything inside you that's like, I want to take it there? Like, in other words, if you were to if you were to fast forward five years and say, right, or ten years, the, right, like, and look back, like, what's that legacy going to look like? The dream. The dream is um, to be a leading emerging market pizza brand. Um, I don't believe we could compete in the Western world purely for the fact that the economics of running a store completely different where other emerging markets, the demographics, the income levels, etc., are more comparable. Whether that's Africa, I don't really know. Everybody was like, Africa's rising, woo! And then suddenly everybody's like, woo, stay away from Africa. So again, there's probably selected economies where we could gain scale in Africa, where we are looking at going into, besides the bordering ones, because those are easy to manage. But if you can't get scale, no matter what sales you do out of a branch in Angola, if I can only put in one and I can't get my money out, for argument's sake, um, why would I open one there? Why would the brand go into that market? So it's markets we could scale. That would be the dream. Outside of that, due to the level of disruption that takes place at the moment and the changing economic dynamic besides a technological revolution, for me, it's um, at Roman's Pizza, we believe a good long-term plan is like a one-week plan. And that's the honest truth. Um, I've gone to international business schools and they say the biggest problem with a lot of CEOs, which I'm very guilty of, is you're not accountable to yourself. And you, a lot of guys are not willing, especially entrepreneurs, put down their one-year plan in writing because then you're accountable to it, mm. which I've never done. Which I'm not saying is right. Yeah. It might be the wrong thing. So you've never had a business plan, basically? Um, no. Yeah, well, that's, I agree with you. I think it's great as an exercise. I think in the real world, it means diddly squat. I think it could give you structure for yourself if you're confused. It can maybe put you on a new level. So for me, if you do a business plan, I would see it as you think of new things and new things and new things and new things again, and you might start here and end up there. From that perspective, it's good. But if you think you're going to do a plan and you're going to implement that in the marketplace, you're going to get lots of curveballs coming at you. Yeah, exactly. Dude, would you ever sell Roman's Pizza? Uh, we're family owned, so I guess it's a family discussion and something we would have to see. But well, is there a probability, do you think? Or anything's for sale. Really? Yeah. Anything's for sale, depending um, if the price is right. If the price is right, if our needs change um, as a family or my personal needs change, um, you never know. Life throws you curveballs, and we don't know what tomorrow will bring, and I would never say we would never sell it by all means. I mean, I guess it's something we would – one day, if it ever came, mm. we discuss. What's the biggest acquisition or merger of of its kind in your space to date in Africa? I can't think of anything. Nothing. Nah, there's nothing. There's nothing major. I mean, the brands that got picked up locally by famous brands, obviously, um, they were fairly acquisitive. So, I mean, they bought from Wimpy to Mag and Bean, etc. They're the holding company for various groups. They probably did the biggest acquisitions, but. 
um, couple of hundred million uh, publicly that we know of. Uh, privately, um, I, I don't know. There might there might have been brands that have gone for more than that, but the majority there aren't many privately owned large fast food brands in South Africa anymore, um, and they're all family owned. And to my knowledge, none of them are for sale. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Everybody has your price, or everybody has their price. Give us ten billion rand. We got a deal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Take a blank check. <laughs> make, it, make it nine and a half <laughs> <laughs> with some change. <laughs> so, dude, let's play um, the knockout punch. So, this is your top tip for entrepreneurs. Something that you feel, based on all of your years' experience, can really move the needle for them. So, um, living in the technologically disruptive age, um, I truly do believe. You got to learn how to fail as an organization. You got to learn how to fail fast and cheap. Yeah. And fail to a degree that it doesn't either bankrupt you financially or mentally within an organization. So, what this means is you got to create an organization, a culture of risk where every single individual is entitled to idea sharing. And unless an idea is really stupid, you got to allow them to potentially run with that idea to some degree, but you've got to be very disciplined in how you test new ideas. You can't let a 500-person organization run with 500 random ideas and um, 300 don't work and you're not able to measure, calculate, and with discipline uh, decide what you're carrying on with and what you're cutting. So I, I do believe because times are changing so fast um, and because everything's about transparency, uh, a culture of trust today, especially with millennials and the younger generation. And not only does that allow your uh, colleagues and employees to feel valued, that their ideas, you know, truly, the, not only that, but they normally have far crazier ideas than what your C-suite could have. And those crazy ideas, the one in 10 is all you need. Yeah. That one crazy idea every couple of years that just blows the market up. So I believe you've got to create a culture that fosters that within an organization and you've got to be willing to fail multiple times like uh, Jeff Bezos does very well. They've failed hundreds and thousands of times since Amazon started. But yeah. they've been disciplined. They know when to cut their losses and what to carry on with and what to carry on rolling out. Yeah. Mav, our pizzas here? Are they almost here? Okay, can you hurry those guys up? Test match. Was it a layup with us or with, with Roman's pizza? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we can do the Injustice League. Cool, dude. So the Injustice League is your time to start swinging baseball bats. This is going to be awesome. Um, but At you. Hey, oh, dude, I'm getting out the way. <laughs> Previous experiences. <laughs> uh, but um, what's your one Injustice League or Injustice that you see in the world today? With where we are technologically and the amount of wealth in the world today, I, I just cannot comprehend how you've got children and human beings to starve. And even more so children. You can't save the world. To have children who are dying of starvation in this day and age when there are so many billionaires, so much gluttony. And, and the scariest statistic is, I heard somewhere, that the world produces enough food to feed everybody. The amount yeah. of wastage that takes place in the food segment when there's people who are starving in 2018 is just completely unacceptable. I mean, dying of starvation. Um, I again heard that over 50% of people in uh, lower income countries, uh, emerging markets, who end up in hospital, end up there from drinking dirty water. What? 
I mean, is it possible in this day know. and age that you end up in hospital because you drank dirty water? I just mm. think it's ridiculous. Well, I know that there's more people in Africa with access to mobile phones than clean drinking water. I saw that stats not so long ago. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, dude. But why though? Uh, what's the problem? I mean, you know this food business inside out. Like what, if you were to point fingers at something or maybe it's a supply chain issue, like what is it? Is it the fact that they can't afford food? Like why are there starving people? Like, I mean, I agree with you. It's fucking ridiculous. I, I just think it's simple greed um, and for profit. Capitalist society, to be blandly honest. I am a capitalist, obviously, but yeah. somewhere along the line, um, the system doesn't work. Um, from the World Health Organization or UNICEF or whoever these guys are, you hear the corruption in um, a lot of these economies where guys donate food. The food never ends up where it's supposed to. So there are people out there trying to do good. I just don't think maybe the structure's right. Maybe enough people want to make the difference. Um, uh, to be honest, I can't give you an answer. I don't know where the problem lies. Uh, maybe the, the, the logistics behind getting the food from the dustbin to the people who are starving across 10, 15,000 kilometers. I don't know. I can't tell you, but I can tell Sad you greed situation. definitely plays a part and for profit plays a part, no doubt. Yeah. Profit's a very big deal. Yeah. I'm going to pick that up after you swing your baseball bat. So, cool. guys, if we can just clean out this table, our pizzas have arrived. <laughs> uh, cool. So, you can put your mic down. Um, we've got this uh, dustbin here, which represents all food wastage. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so we're going to just get you to have a bit of fun in the studio. Um, by, shall I get out? I'm going to duck down here. <laughs> Anything, I'm not no, that's fine. Like you, you go. You go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> Three, two, one. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> well, that's how I feel. That's, how, that's, that's amazing. Is it still Thanks, working? Dude. That is still okay. working. <laughs> cool. Let's get those pizzas up here. We have a blindfold for you. Um, blindfold me. Yeah, we're gonna blindfold you. Um, and so we're gonna test. How well you know your own menu. <laughs> so you're, we're gonna, if we can bring those pizzas up here, please. Um, and then we're gonna get you to taste one by one and you're gonna tell us the name of the pizza on the menu. <laughs> All of them, let's go. Cool. So uh, Mav's busy blindfolding old John over there. How many pizzas did we get? Six. Okay, good. How, uh, John, how many, um, uh, what percentage do you think you're going to get right? 100%. Guaranteed. 100%. That's, that's brave. That's very brave. You've got to aim high, eh? You've got to aim high. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. Let's see what we got here. Hold on. Hold on. Here's your mic. Okay, go. Okay, so to be, uh, to be really honest with myself, are there mm. six different flavors? Yes. Okay, then I'll, if I get five out of six, I'll be happy. You might have confused me with one okay. of them. These were some amazing looking pizzas. Oh my God, this is so good. Okay, so I'm gonna hold your mic for you. Okay, who's gonna feed him? You hold the mic, okay, cool. Here you go, so here's your first one. Okay, um, take that water off, give me that plate. Yeah, and then I'm gonna put it on the plate for him. I can navigate the box. Okay, here you go, here you go, here's your first slice. Okay, off you go. Where's the slice? Down, down below, on the plate there. Can I touch the product? You can. It's yours. <laughs> this is the best tasting pizza I've ever had. <laughs> what, do you, what is that one? Guys, you created your own topping. 
They're trying to catch me out. This is not a pizza off our menu. Is it? What is it, man? Stock standard pizza off our menu. Uh-huh. It, it, it's potentially a vegetarian. It's a vegetarian pizza. Mm. It's mm. the vegetarian. Okay, we'll give him that one. Okay, let's have the menu up on you. In fact, Michelle, you can navigate the menu. Oh, hang on, here we go. Mav, you know what you ordered, right? Cool. So there you go. So it is the vegetarian? Yes. Well done. Woo! Okay, let's go with number two here. Here, these palettes. Do you want to clean your palette so you're not confused? No, no, I'm perfect. Okay, cool. Here you go. There you go. Top, there you go. That's the one. That's interesting. You can't get that wrong. That's an obvious one. Classic cheese. <laughs> Classic plain cheese. Plain cheese. What's cheese and tomato? Uh huh. Okay. No, is that not it? Mev? You oh, my to, yeah. <laughs> That's the right one, dude. Sorry. Okay, cool. So here we go. Here's with your next one. This one should be very easy, dude. Even I know what this is. Here you go, mate. What is that? <laughs> doesn't know. There's green pepper, there's onion. <laughs> Three, two, one, go. Tomorrow again. <laughs> is, is this another vegetarian? Is it a vegetarian? It is a vegetarian. It is a vegetarian. Guys, you gave me another vegetarian. This is a vegetarian. Okay, okay, well, yeah, we'll give you that well, one. We'll some give confusion. you that one. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, cool. You yeah. can drop that one in there. Right, let's have a go with that one. Here you go, sir. This one, this one's a classic. <laughs> Do you know this? It's Debbie barbecue sauce. <laughs> <laughs> He's not getting it. Barbecue chicken. Yes. Oh, well done. Barbecue chicken. This man knows his pizza. Okay, this one is your second last one. Here you go, sir. Right here. Okay, this one looks interesting. <laughs> Three, two, one. Can I have one more bite? <laughs> it's your pizza. <laughs> I think the bacon at the top would definitely throw me. That's the thing that's confusing him. Can't be a four in one. Is it not a four in one? Um, it can be a four in one actually. If it's got bacon on top, it doesn't have pineapple or anything else. Four Mav, in one. Mev, what is it? Bacon supreme. Oh, you didn't get that one. Okay, this one is the one that you got to get right, dude. Okay, here we go. What's this one here? Let me take this one. Here you go, sir. That one's interesting. <laughs> Three, two, one, go. One more bite, one more bite. <laughs> He's a tea taster guy. Mm. No idea. <laughs> it's not sweet to the chicken. <laughs> it's chicken. Yes. Definitely shoot, man. <laughs> it's chicken and mushroom? No. Chicken and mayo. Chicken and mayo. Oh, oh dude. Thanks for playing a <laughs> game of... Well. What are we calling this game anyway? <laughs> Eat Romans. Eat Romans. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Let me get you... Here's, where's your serviettes gone? Can we get some behind you, Q? Yeah. There you go. Okay, guys, come get your pizza. Don't be shy. The show's going to go on for a few more minutes. Cool. Um, yeah, so here you go, Q. Take this off. Here you go. Thank you. Cool. Enjoy. Happy lunching. Compliments of Roman's Pizza. So for the record, I actually got two wrong because this was burning and I couldn't understand why. This ended up being the peri-peri <laughs> chicken and not the vegetarian. So. I knew why. <laughs> you would, man. All right. Cool, dude. Well, thanks for playing along with us. That was great. Um, so just a couple more questions, dude, and then we'll wrap up and finish off the pizza that you've left, uh, left you. for us. Um, but I'm just always interested to know, like, if you were to go back, you know, 16 years 
and do something differently that you feel would would have changed the game for Roman's Pizza? Like, what would that thing be? I might have, at the time, in hindsight, um, maybe been a bit less hasty with um, franchisee selection. When I first joined Roman's, um, there were lots of guys with packages, lots of ex-civil servants. Setup costs were lower. The sites we chose were great. The problem is we didn't use any form of psychometrics or anything else in terms of evaluating potential franchisees. Do you do that now? The we started, we started really? incorporating data analysis into the selection because we've made so many mistakes over time. And the big problem isn't for the brand alone. It's the individual, the human being uh, who claims he wants to be in the business. And um, you assume because he's got the money, it's going to be his business, he will. And then you realize um, six months down the line, oh no, how do we reverse this? You can fire a manager, you can't fire a franchisee. Mm. What do you do in that situation? Well, I mean, generally, um, we don't want to defranchise stores. We have in the past. We don't like it. It's not good for the brand. It's not good for anyone. It's a lose-lose. So what we do is we generally encourage them to sell, maximize on exit. At least they get money back. My biggest fear is a franchisee losing money with our brand a person who puts his lifelong savings in. And we insist on owner operators. Um, and that for me is just, it, it, it's a fear of mine. So at least the guys managed to exit reasonably. What we did was we changed our induction process where a prospective franchisee has to work open close for one week, morning till late at night, 12, 13 hour shifts for one full week while we watch him. And through that, a lot of guys have turned around and said, whoa, thank you very much. We don't want to do this anymore. So we give them worst case scenario up front so they can realize what it entails because, you know, owning a fast food place is glamorous. Yeah. Owning a restaurant is glamorous. It's not. Yeah. Well, they don't want to put in the work, right? Or they don't have a sense as to actually how much work runs into. I would, I would suck at a retail business. I really would. That's the hours. The hours are abnormal. Yeah. They're not longer than a corporate world. The corporate world is six in the morning to seven at night. Here you're nine to nine, but they're abnormal. It's weekends, Friday nights, Saturday nights. You're behind shop counter. Yeah. I got you. Dude, why do you do what you do? Like after 16 years, you clearly have a huge passion for the brand and for everything that you guys are doing in the retail fast food space. Like what keeps you going? Like what gets you out of bed in the morning? To be blatantly honest, the wins. So the the customer sends an email who says, um, fantastic, it was amazing. The franchisee posts on the WhatsApp group who sponsored pizza into the community. And you see kids and their smiles on their faces eating pizza. Um, the franchisee who joined us, who was earning 10, 15,000 rand a month in the corporate world, who today has three, four stores earning 10 times that amount, seeing the difference that the brand has made on his life. And obviously he made it himself as well. It wasn't the brand alone. So seeing the impact I think that we have on people's lives is what allows me to keep on going. Um, and then the fear of failure. Obviously, that sustaining too. this yeah, thing, yeah. you got to get up every day and say, well, I'm going to fail if I don't keep this thing alive. Yeah. Dude, that's amazing. I love that. Uh, guys, should we do Q&A? Or are you guys all busy eating pizzas? <laughs> can, you know, can I reverse this and do the guessing game on Matt? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Go for it. Ask me questions. <laughs> okay, who's doing Q&A? Who's doing Q? Okay, Q, put that pizza down. <laughs> Um, cool. So here we go. So these are some questions from our online audience on YouTube. Uh, Q, over to you. Okay. Candice asks, why Roman Pizza is different from the rest? The main reason Roman's Pizza is different from the rest is that 
we are extremely focused and disciplined on being the price leader. We do campaigns that no one else can do. They're too scared to do them. So, I mean, when we run a campaign, any two large is one twenty nine ninety. Any two off the menu. When we run any one, any two pizzas with one topping on for ninety nine rand every day of the week, um, there is no other brand who is willing to take that risk and and fight. Okay. Are you happy with that answer, Key? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, Musa asked, when it come to Roman's Pizza, what what vision did you have? What vision did yeah. I have? Um, when I first joined at Romans, I didn't really know what I knew. All I knew is that we had to grow. We had to grow fast to get buying power in place, marketing budgets in place. Because if we didn't, somebody else would. The what I did know was that the market was fairly virgin at the time. I just didn't know to what degree. So I knew we had to grow. Uh, that was my vision then. My vision now is obviously to build a sustainable a uh, legacy, uh, a company that can sustain itself long after my family's gone um, and that can be around two, three hundred years into the future. Okay. Unless you sell it. No, even then, it must still be sustainable. Oh, I see what you Even if you're selling it, selling it to somebody you care enough or creating a team of people who can carry on the legacy of the business. Thomas asks, what's your favorite pizza? My favorite pizza, hands down, it's terrible. It's a create your own. So we got a fetteroni pizza on the menu, which is feta pepperoni and uh, chili, which is amazing. But I like adding extra black olives on it. That hits, that floats your boat, does it? it floats my boat, brother. And I'll tell you what's floating mine right now. What? This is the fucking peri peri chicken that's just gone down my throat. Yo, bro. <laughs> Woo. That was rad. <laughs> okay. The last one. Peter asks, why does leftover pizza taste so good? Probably because you hung over. <laughs> that's an honest that's answer. A good, that's a very good insight. You could build a campaign around that just for the youth, you know, the affluent youth. Is well, that? well said. Mm. You're not going to charge me for that, eh? Mm -mm. Well, I mean, only if we do it. Ah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> but I can plagiarize that idea and run with you it. You can, you can. Okay. It's fine. There'll be another one. Execution's everything. Just remember that. <laughs> well said, well said. Uh, dude, John, thank you so much, dude, for being on the Matt Brown Show. It's been uh, hugely entertaining. I've enjoyed it. I've especially enjoyed your pizza. But what I've most enjoyed is your story, dude. I think just to have a, a really great South African family-owned story that's just doing amazing things. And I really do hope, dude, like that in 200 years' time, like my kids and whoever are like eating Roman's pizza. Do you know what I'm saying? 100%. So um, I wish you all the best on that journey, dude. Thank you, Matt. Thank you to you and your team. You guys are awesome. Thank cool, you. Woo! Tap it up. Thanks, brother. Awesome. Thanks for checking out the Map Round Show, guys. And if you'd like to get the Kung Fu put in your ninja, check out digitalkungfu.co.za. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an x.com.